Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. I think I talk about this a lot too, because what I realized is other people have this. And then when they hear me say this, they're like, oh, okay, this is normal. I think we should normalize discussion around it, quite honestly. The wealthiest people have many things in common that help them become successful. Principles, values, characteristics, we'll call them clues. This podcast is my attempt to help uncover these clues so that you can apply them to your life and become massively successful. My hope is that we can partner to buy apartments, helping you generate income and grow your network passively, completely hands off. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back, everybody, to this new episode of the Clues of Success podcast. I am your host, Max Mawala. We're very, very honored for this next guest that we have on the episode today. We are having Vina Jetty, who is has done nearly $950 million in transactions. She has experienced over $1.3 million in real estate assets over her entire career, is a passionate philanthropist, runs a Facebook group mastering multifamily with Vina Jetty. And if you're not a part of it, you definitely, definitely should because she's constantly dropping gems. And so very honored to have her on the guest. Vina Jetty, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Max. I'm really excited. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I got to be honest because I, obviously I had listened to a few of the things that you had been on and it was like one, get in the room and meet with people. Mm-hmm. And you have given so much information as far as multifamily that I've looked up in all a lot of information. And there was a time that you were, I wanted to just ask you a lot of questions. And <laughs> here's actually how I started my podcast. And so this is for everyone <laughs> to listen. That. You had put a post on saying, hey, if I had promised to be on your podcast, will you please let me know? I didn't even have a podcast yet. And I, I sent you a private message saying, hey, please be on my podcast. I made up the name of this show. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's how you started this? That's how I started it. Oh when my you accepted it, Incredible. When you accepted it, I was like, crap. And so I hit now it. Now I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that means I have to do it. And so as, yeah. after that, I started, I started hitting up all my network as far as guests, putting up guests and shows and co- created the, the cover art. and started launching oh episodes. <laughs> Look at you. How many episodes have you done so far? This is my third. You're the fifth okay. guest I've, that I've interviewed. And so I have a few more other interviews, but I'll be dropping one every single week for whoever knows how long I've committed to it. So oh we're my doing gosh, it now. This is amazing. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you. I can make you do more work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My wife wasn't so happy when she heard me starting yeah. a new podcast, but you know, <laughs> just because she's like, well, how many more other things are going to be taking away from your time from us? And I'm like, this will be during work time. I promise. So it's not if that's not like a dagger of guilt, I don't know what is. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, obviously the, the seeing true to the form of the clues of success, looking mm-hmm. for the success leaves clues. is kind of the iteration of that. Yeah. Looking it. at speaking with you know, successful individuals and how they got there and hoping to share this same information with those who are listening so they can yeah. apply these same these same principles to their lives and so that they can have a, a successful life. And whatever endeavor that is, it's not always money, I believe, as far as success. Oh. But you being very successful in the multifamily space here, starting all over, if you were to start all over again today, there's going to be mm-hmm. three things I'll probably ask. There's things that you would start doing, mm-hmm. things that you would stop doing, and mm-hmm. things that you would keep doing. Okay. What are those three things that you would be doing if knowing what you know now, if you started all over today? Okay, I would have skipped single family and gone straight to multifamily. 
Interesting. That was what I would have stopped doing is thinking that I I had to start a single family. What would I start doing? I would start, I actually, I say this too, if I could go back, I wouldn't have undervalued the paywalls, right? Like the rooms that you pay to be in. Because what I realized is like the mindset of somebody who spent 5,000, 10,000, whatever, even $100 on a ticket somewhere is completely different than someone who shows up for a free event. So true. Yeah. And I never, I never realized that. And, and here's what I used to think, right? I used to think, okay, fine, this conference, whatever, my degrees in finance, like I don't really need to like go and learn what NOI is. I don't really need to learn what a T12 is. And that's what I thought these conferences were. And then I started, I earned my way into these rooms, right? Like I, I did the hard work to be invited into these rooms. Mm -hmm. And what I realized, especially now where I am today, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is a completely different environment being around other people that are just like high caliber operators and just high caliber business people. And I'm like, I could have met the people that are in my network today. I could have met them 10 years ago if I had cut that check. And so I, I always say like, you don't need to cut the check. I mean, obviously I didn't, I've never paid for like masterminds or networking or things like that, but I took the really long scenic route to get there. And so I would have started investing in myself earlier on. And also when you start investing that money in yourself, you kind of have the onus to be successful too, right? Like, cause there's a lot of pressure because right. you said, you know, your wife is like, whoa, you're taking that away from us. But if you're generating more from the investment you made, then great. You will spend, you'd spend thousands of dollars. If every, for every dollar you spend, you make $2, you'll spend unlimited amounts of dollars. Right. Right. And so it's like the same theory with these rooms. So that's what I would start doing. And then what would I keep doing is, so I always say too, it's like 90% of this is showing up. Even when you don't want to, if you still show up over long periods of time, you're probably just going to be successful. And so um, you know, anytime things get difficult or hard, like I still show up and I still put in, you know, all my effort and my work. And then the next day we start all over again and we try again. And, you know, it's the role model I want to be for my children too. Wow. That's amazing. And then what would you stop doing? Oh, I would have stopped doing single family. Like, oh, okay. Stop like right now that I do yeah. right now. Well, no, because if I knew that answer, I would have already stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I would have stopped single family. I would have skipped single family. I wouldn't have even done single family if I could go back. Yeah. Why do you think that is, that is such a hard hurdle for more people to say, to say, I want to start small. I'll just go single family versus what is that limited belief versus why, why wouldn't people just go straight into multifamily? Well, like, I didn't know, I didn't know that you could do this. Uh huh. Right? Like I, I thought multifamily was for rich people. I right, thought it was for like right, Oprah right. Winfrey. I didn't know it was for like Vina Jetty. I thought only rich people. I thought you'd have millions and millions or billions of dollars to buy multifamily. So I think it's one, I think it's just like a knowledge gap, a big knowledge gap. And I think that's what, you know, with you putting this podcast out, I think like putting this out there, at least even if someone doesn't do anything with it, at least they now know that that's an option, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. one. Two, the limiting belief. Well, so the limiting belief, number one is, you have to have all this money to do this. The second limiting belief is that, oh, it's way too scary to go into a bigger deal. It's so much more risk. And that's just not true. It's actually lower risk in larger deals because the business supports the asset, right? Like the business plan of the asset supports it. And mm -hmm. it's no longer 
Vina Jetty or Max Moala, right? It's the asset and what income that asset is producing. But I, I think people just don't know how to get started or don't know where to start. It's intimidating. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. I remember that I had no idea that you could even own those type of things, that those same things. What yeah. changed for you when you said, okay, when I finally decided oh, I now can invest in buy these multifamily, these apartments here, what changed for you? Well, it was way more stressful because now <laughs> I'm raising other people's capital, right? And I'm using other people's money. And that is once you take in an investor dollar, you will never sleep the same again because there's so much concern around your investors and how, and there should be right. Like this is the right way, but it's a different ball game than when you're investing for yourself. Um, so it's definitely more stressful, but it really opened up the possibilities of what we could buy, what we could acquire, what we could do. And that's where I think the power of multifamily and like building generational wealth go hand in hand together. Right. Very eye-opening. And then you said about just showing up every day. There was a yeah. one of the previous guests here that had brought up and he said that, and they had done quite a few very successful here in such a short period of time. And one of the things that he said was his superpower is the ability to be consistent, to show up every day mm -hmm. for the next 20 years, he can do the same exact thing. Yeah. And I thought that was like, wow, that was very incredible. And yours was like, just show up every day. Yeah. So that's like, it was something that I think that we're starting to catch on for these successful individuals is the ability to just show up to be consistent. But what keeps you showing up even in those hard times? That one's easy. My my kids, my girls, I have twin daughters that are three and a half now. They, they're, I want to be a role model for them. I want to be an example for them. I want them to know they can do hard things and we don't quit just because something's hard, right? Like we, if we fall down, we get back up and we try again. You know, I tell them, I tell that to them all the time. And I think I have to lead by example, but also the other and the more practical piece, right? Is I have a responsibility to the other people that are working with me, right? Whether it's my, my investors, my passive investors, they invested with me because they know I'm going to show up. I have my partners, right? They are expecting me to do a certain amount of the work or certain tasks. So I show up for them. I show up for all of my employees, right? Because they need to get a paycheck. And if I stop working, the company isn't going to run. At least today, that's how we're set up. And so I show up for the other people who also matter. Wow. You know, that's that's awesome. I know you brought that up as far as the reason that's keeping you pushing is your, your twin daughters. And that's... Yeah. Now, my, our twins are so close in age. Mine are, are four and I have a three-year-old too. So oh, bless Wait, my wife's what? Heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That again. Say that we again. Have, we have twins that are four and then our youngest is 15 months younger and she is three. Yeah. You basically have like a pseudo triplets. Oh yeah. Yeah. We we basically, no, yeah, we do. I mean, oh they my are. Gosh. Like, they look exactly. Your wife yeah. is like. <laughs> yeah. Bless her. Right. That's yeah. all her. Because people are, are you going to have more kids? And I'm like, no, I have so many kids. <laughs> yeah. After you have twins, it's, it's like one, a single one, having one after you'll realize after this, it's like, I never want to hear someone who just had one baby. One kid complain, right? That's so funny. Ever. My husband and I say that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's really true. Because we're like, you know, sometimes we'll like separate the twins and we'll like take one. We actually have been doing this thing where we like go on these little dates with them so that we can spend one on one time with them. And after we get back, I'm like, I could do this all day long and twice on Sunday. It's like, this is easy. Right. Right. But then I think about it. I'm like, what if someone gave me another toddler? <laughs> yeah. Then you're out. What, what am I supposed to do? But I guess, you know, you're living that life. Yeah. Yeah. My wife has all the tricks. Man. But. 
But so, you know, I, I guess talk to us about, you know, there are these working moms out there who, who do have mm. the struggle to work or to stay home with their kids. And I know I know you've had that that same struggle as well. How do you balance that and still be, you know, a motherly loving figure, but also a an example of going after those dreams, you know? How do I do that? I'm, I mean, very poorly. That's how I, uh, <laughs> I look, I think that a lot of people want to hear like, okay, you can have it all and you can to some extent, but there are sacrifices that are being made everywhere, right? Like when I'm here doing this, I'm not putting my girls down for nap right now. And when I'm going to be taking them to like their first ballet class today, when I do that, I'm not going to be taking an investor call or doing something work-related that I can be doing in that time. So I, it's constantly that struggle of like when one baby is being taken care of, then my other two babies are being taken care of by someone that's not me and vice versa. And so I think I, I think being a working mom is really hard. Personally, I think being a stay-at-home mom is much harder because that is a job with no breaks. There's you can't like hire it out. You can't decide you don't want to do it today. Right. Like that they're the real heroes. And then if you add like single working moms or single in front of stay at home moms, anywhere you add single and mom in the same sentence, it's like, I don't know how you do that because I have a whole village to help me. I have like all four grandparents are within walking distance of my house. It's every day and they're hands-on they're active and we have like so much help. My husband is part-time and he is very hands-on with our kids. And I still am like, oh, this is exhausting. I don't know how people do this. <laughs> and I literally have the whole entire village here. Yeah. Well, shout out to all you single uh, working, working moms. Yeah, moms. Single working parents. To yes. Stay at home moms. Yeah. Shout out to my wife. Thank yes. you very much. Shout out to your wife for sure. <laughs> we should shout her out again, actually, because yeah, that's yeah. how crazy <laughs> No, that. yeah, yeah, she she really is a superhero, but uh-huh. uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for her. For <laughs> real. Going back to the beginning of this journey, because I mean that's that's quite a bit of you've got you've had a lot of success here. Tell us about some of these obstacles and challenges that you've had to uh-huh. overcome. Gosh, I've had so many. Where to start? Where to start? Okay, so I think it's like not really knowing what you're doing when you start. Uh, it's very intimidating. Like I said, when you take in investor funds, you really have to be at the top of your game. And I'm so glad that those investors trusted me enough to take a chance with me and it paid off for them, but it could have gone the other way too. Right. And so I think like that is probably like the biggest challenge that anybody really faces. Even if things are going well, you still have to worry about your investors. You still have to think about your investors. I think the other challenge that we went through for a long period of time was just finding the right deals. It was there was a lot of competition, and there were a lot of people that were bidding up deals that didn't really make sense, and it limited us from being able to buy them. COVID was a massive challenge for us. It was a big question mark unknown for us on our assets. We had one asset that, oh gosh, it was like, it's actually my, the redheaded stepchild, right? Like it was my one asset that was a struggle because we just had a lot of things happen at the same time. One COVID hit and that asset had a lower income. So the residents couldn't really miss a paycheck and still continue meeting their obligations. So we had a lot of like bad debt, delinquency, et cetera. Mm. It was the same time the interest only was expiring on the loan. So now our interest or our mortgage payments were going to be going up, like our debt service was going up. 
And I can't even make this up. That same time, lightning, literally lightning struck and took out every single fire panel on the asset. No way. It was insane. And if that's not bad enough, that same like two days later, the fire marshal came and did like this random inspection that they do. And they were like, oh, did you know all your fire panels were out? And we're like, we oh, do no. know. And we we're like, okay, here's like our call log, our email log. Here's our scheduled appointment. We already ordered everything, but everything was back ordered because of COVID. And so oh. what happens when you end up in a situation like that is the fire marshal says, yeah, that's nice, but we don't care. And <laughs> now you have to get life and safety watch. And so what life and safety watches is they have, you know, there's like two companies that do this. So I don't know. I don't know who owns them or whatever, but I'm just saying it's very convenient. And so anyway, they, um, they have to come and they have to patrol your asset for 24 seven and it's not cheap. And so we ended up spending, wow. I think it was like a hundred grand total to get that Jesus. all moved. Yeah. Moved. And then once we got it fixed, we we're like, okay, great. We can get rid of the life and safety watch, like save some money, cut expenses. No, because then <laughs> what happened is the fire marshal, they had like a shortage of staff because of COVID. So they're like, we can't come out for like, I don't know, it was like six weeks or something. It was insane. But anyway, all those things, it was like a perfect storm of events. I can't even remember why I started telling you about this. Oh, it was an obstacle. That's why it was an obstacle. <laughs> an obstacle. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why am I reliving this trauma again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that was crazy. If you don't know who I am or new to the show, I'm Max Mola, owner of Appy Investments, a real estate investment firm focusing on buying apartments in the Sunbelt states. Our deals are designed to be an extremely tax-efficient, hands-off investment vehicle where you will reap all the benefits of owning real estate without the headaches. No toilets, no tenants, especially no cockroaches. Partner with me today, Appy Investments. Yikes. And so, you know, most, I mean, so how did, that was a obstacle, but what did you learn then how did that make you like a better operator or, you know, as far yeah. as. So the, well, the first thing I learned is, you know, you, you can underwrite conservatively and you can plan for as many scenarios. And there are things that you could never have predicted happening. Like COVID is a great example. Right. So I thought that we were really conservative and underwriting. And thankfully we were conservative because none of our investors lost money. They actually ended up making money, but we did have mm -hmm. to stop distributions on the asset just to maintain or preserve the stability of the asset. And that was a really interesting moment because my gut told me we should be proactively reaching out to investors when COVID hit, just in general, across all of our assets. And I think there was so much unknown in the industry where like, I mean, who can I call to ask, like, what do you do when there's a global pandemic? Literally nobody had been through this that was operating any kind of asset. And so I was like, okay, we're all just kind of in a state of like, oh, do you know? Like, we'll see, right? <laughs> and I had, I had partners that wanted to wait until we had better information, which I think is a very reasonable, reasonable reaction, right? It's like, yeah. Sometimes we as as sponsors, when we don't know the answer, we kind of want to wait because we know there's going to be a whole barrage of questions and more answers that are not known than known. And so we waited to send out communication. And eventually I just, I decided to just send out communication. I, you know, sometimes it's better yeah. to ask for forgiveness than permission. Right. Yeah. So I sent out communication. I said, Hey guys, listen, 
we know about COVID. We know this is a thing. We have no idea what it means for the asset. We don't know what it means for the stability. We're monitoring it closely and we're going to keep you posted as we get better information. And and specifically this one asset that had like the lightning strike where we paused distributions, which is out of our ordinary. I said, for investors in that asset, we're actually going to do a monthly call and we're going to do a video conference and we're going to review this like state of the union. And normally that's way outside of our protocol of our communication with investors. But I felt, and I still feel this way, and this is actually something we still have in our policy is if there is something happening that is unusual. So for example, if we're pausing a distribution, we're changing a distribution, whatever it looks like, we increase our communication to investors. Even if the communication is, we don't really know what this means. It's okay to say that as long as you're communicating, because what they cared about, especially in COVID, what they cared about was not that I had an answer or solution of how to solve a global pandemic that everybody was trying to figure out. What they cared about was that I am aware of it. I am looking into how to handle it. I'm staying on top of best practices and we're implementing strategy as things move and we're pivoting. And so that's why it's important to increase that communication, even if it's, I don't know. But I know about it. I just don't know what it means. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just keeping them out of the dark here. Yeah. You said something about you when you first started, like you just didn't know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a lot of people are always held back by that, by yeah. that fear of the unknown. And it can be paralyzing when you start to, you know, you hear the analysis yeah. paralysis. How, how did you continue to keep, it's almost like you're feeling like jumping off the, the edge of a cliff. It's that it could be that paralyzing here. How did you, what? got you over that edge? I don't know that I ever got over that edge, really. I still feel like Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. We're doing bigger and bigger deals, right? So, I mean, 10 years ago, I never would have thought I would do a $100 million deal, but I've done multiple large deals now, right? And so, but it's never, I'm never like, oh, easy. This is great. You know, I'm, I'm always pushing myself out of my comfort zone. So I think that having confidence that, Maybe I don't know every problem that's going to come up, but I do know that I'm willing to work and find out and figure out a solution. um, And I won't stop until I do. I think that is really what has helped me over many years, you know, is Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm going to show up. I'm just going to show up and try again tomorrow. Yeah. No, I I love that as far as you're, you said that you're continuing to grow and always getting out of your comfort zone. Almost reminds me of like, if you're climbing Mount Everest here, I've never climbed it. I had a relative who just did recently. He talks about, yeah, how there's there's different bases. So they'll get to one base, they'll rest, and then they'll continue climbing to the next base. And then they, they, you know, then they continue to climb up. And I mean, I don't know because I'm not climbing Mount Everest. No, me either. Me either. Ever. So, yeah, I no. can say that very confident. I know people are like, never say never, but I can say this very confidently. <laughs> right. You know, here's a, another question is walking into these rooms here. Mm-hmm. It's very, very obvious. One, there's not very many females or women in the room. Mm-hmm. And then also just being a, a female, but also just being different. We look differently. A woman Minority, of color. Yeah. How do you overcome these feelings? Maybe, I don't know if you do, if you have imposter syndrome or these feelings of mm-hmm. doubt in these types of rooms? How, how are you overcoming those feelings in these rooms? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. I think I talk about this a lot too, because what I realized is other people have this. And then when they hear me say this, they're like, oh, 
okay, this is normal. I think we should normalize discussion around it, quite honestly, because especially with social media, right? Like everyone sees the highlight reel. No one sees the hard the low lights. Right, exactly. And so I, I'm pretty frank about it because I also read too that like Meryl Streep has imposter syndrome and wow. Sonia Sotomayor, one of like the Supreme Court justices has imposter <laughs> syndrome. Like there are a lot of, and it, it tends to affect women more than it does men. You know, when I'm in these rooms, I usually I'm, if especially if someone like, if I'm not speaking there or whatever, and I'm just like in the room, a lot of times, most times, uh, if someone doesn't know like my background or my story or whatever, you know, because I haven't told them, I don't expect them to know it. But they'll a lot of men, especially, will like kind of be a little condescending and like will kind of talk down mm-hmm. a little bit about you know what they do and this great thing that they've done, which I now find more amusing than anything else. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so you, now today, I'll like because I don't have anything to prove and. I, I felt like a lot of pressure to prove myself and prove that I deserve to be in those rooms before. Now I just don't care that much. And so what I'll do sometimes now is I'll be like, oh, that's so interesting. And then I'll like <laughs> ask them follow-up questions and just, just to hear, because like sometimes it's someone that's really good and like, I want to learn from you. I want to hear what you have to say. I will gladly shut up and listen to everything you tell me, right? Like we were just mm-hmm. talking about how I was at a conference where somebody there was the founder of a $40 billion equity fund, right? Like that's the amount of equity they have under management. And he was like, it was like, I felt like I met like God himself because I was like there and I'm like asking him questions and he's answering all of them. He was the nicest guy and he was answering them and answering them and answering them. He stayed till like three in the morning answering my questions. And wow, I was nonstop. I was like, I'm going to keep going. He's like, what other questions do you have? And I was like, sir, you have $40 billion of equity under management. I'm not leaving until you tell me we're done. I will stay here. Yeah. I will reschedule my flights. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to stay here for the next four days because I don't know when I'm going to have a chance like this ever again. So in those rooms, I try to find the people that are smarter than me and that know more than me and just ask them a bunch of questions. And I'm like, I don't even care if you think I'm a crazy person asking all these questions. But then in the rooms with people that are less qualified that are speaking to me, if a lot of times people, when they, they know, or they hear what I've done, they, they want to do the same thing that I did to this other person, right? Like they want to ask me like, what did you do about this? How did you solve this? What like, they want to know how to get to that next level. If they don't bother to ask me and they are talking about, you know, their accolades, I, I, I'll just ask some questions and kind of figure out what they do or who they are. I don't know. I'm a little snarky, so I probably shouldn't even tell you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And that seems to be another one of the clues is the ability when they find someone that's in that same or in a position that they would like to be, that's maybe a few steps ahead, mm-hmm. your willingness and your willingness to kind of get over yourself to ask all these questions. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've noticed that from all these people's like, I saw someone who had, you know, had something more than I did, who was smarter than I did. And I just asked and asked and asked and asked and asked questions. Oh yeah. I like, I'm not even ashamed of it. I'm like, great. Well, if you're going to answer these, I'm going to keep asking you. I'm literally not going to, because there is no amount of time that he could have spent with me at that conference that would have given me all of the information that I could have used. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Tony Robbins has a quote and it said like the quality of your life determines is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask but i think yeah. it's more of the just asking the questions right yeah. you know the ad, the answer is always no if you never ask but and you also don't know anything if you don't ask these questions as well 
Exactly. And honestly, you might not get those chances very often, right? Like I don't know when the next time I'm going to get a chance to speak to anybody that's done what he's done. I mean, maybe I will, but maybe I won't. And so while you're there, I'm going to take advantage of it. And I was yeah. like, I was a total nerd about it. I was so excited. And I was like, oh my gosh, just like open up all these things for me and like my business. And I'm like, okay, I can implement A, B, C, D. This is how we take it here. And this is what we do with this. And I talked to my husband the next day and I was like, babe, you won't believe what happened. And I told him, and like, I met so-and-so. And he's like, who is that? Is that who like, is that? <laughs> he's like, is it an athlete? Is it? I was like, no, who cares about that? Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to know how to get my fund to be a $40 billion fund. Yeah. Right. Right. So. <laughs> and I, and you, you said another thing I mean, you're as far as you asked the questions and then you went and implemented it and applied it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, there's so much information out there for everybody and it's not a lack of information that everybody's suffering uh-huh. from. It's a lack of action. Yes. You know, Yep. And, and so, and I think it's people scared, are scared to take that lack of action. One is because they're like scared of like what happens, you know? And yeah, I was talking with someone today and I was like, well, I kind of changed my mindset of like, instead of thinking, what if it goes wrong to what if it goes right? right. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot more exciting for me. It's like, man, that's very exciting. Yeah. And I'm willing to work to see what if it goes right, because it has <laughs> just as good op- chances, maybe even better, just like you said, oh, right. if just showing up, you know, I'm at, it's, I think the path to our dreams and goals and whatever it is, is not very linear. It's not very straight. You know, there's going to be some failures. There's going to be some obstacles. What failures have you had or what, what is some significant lesson that you had learned from your failures? Communicate early and often. And that goes for anything, whether it's partnerships with your investors, with your vendors, with your lender, always be proactive. And when you think you're communicating with investors enough, you're not. So increase communication even then. So that way they know what to expect from you and they know you're consistent and reliable. But I think all of it is communication is one of the biggest things that I, and I keep learning. I keep learning about how we can communicate better or faster or more efficiently, or if we can streamline a process, we can communicate better. Like those are all things that we focus on and change all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's such a great, great thing as far as just over communication, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with investors and taking their money. What what does success look for you now versus what it looked like when you were a little bit younger or first starting out? Well, when I first started out, it was all about like money, right? Like I want to make a lot of money and I want to be able to buy the things and do all the things I want to do. Now that's completely changed. Like obviously, I mean, I still like making money, so that hasn't gone away. Yeah. But the focus isn't there, right? Like now my focus is really more on impact. I want to teach someone else how to do this. I want to take all these things that I spend so much time and energy and effort and blood and sweat and tears. And I want to take that and give it to someone else so that you don't have to do that. You can go and you can be great out of the gate and you can shorten your learning curve because yeah. it doesn't make me better if someone else isn't in here. I'd much rather have great sponsors because a rising tide lifts all boats. And Amen. so I'd rather have like a bunch of really great sponsors who are all, you know, like-minded that can be my colleagues and collaborators. I don't see them as competition or they can be people I can invest with. And I would love that. So there's no point in you having to earn your stripes the hard way now that I know what I know. So I want to, for me, it's impact. That's success for me now, at least professionally. Personally, success for me is raising my daughters to be like kind 
contributing members of society. Yeah. And, you know, I want them to be, I just want them to be happy. Yeah. I think we all want, I think we all want that for our kids, right? As far as kindness is going to be huge. Contributing is always, is always funny. My wife is like, no, I'm not going to have kids that are just entitled. Yeah. Just feel like everyone owes them. Nothing's like, nobody owes you anything. Nope. She she always like, hey, we don't owe you anything. No. You're not going to throw a fit. No. Because in this house, throwing fits is not going to get you what you want. Yeah. (laughs) No, I agree with her. I mean, we tell our kids all the time, like at least five times a day, I tell my kids, you don't have any money. So (laughs) you really can't do that. They'll be like, oh, I want to go to a restaurant. And I'm like, do you have any money? The problem is they've started earning money by... They've been having like a, they have like a lemonade stand. Mm -hmm. And so I was like teaching them like how to build a business. And I gave them a loan and we talked about interest and then they made like $26, which by the way, it was all grandparents overpaying for lemonade. So it wasn't like they made their own $26. But then we, I took them to the bank the other day to deposit the money. Right. Cause like, I want them to be used to like talking about money, handling money, touching money going to banks. And it's the same reason I don't talk to adults on their behalf ever. Like when we're at the restaurant and actually ordering food, like I tell them, okay, well, tell her what you want or tell him what you want Mm -hmm. because I want them to be comfortable talking to lots of people. So anyway, yeah, we, um, I, I'll be like, well, do you have any money to go to the restaurant? (laughs) Yes, I do. Now they are like, yes, I do. I deposited in the bank. I'm like, I know, but we invested that money. Remember? So I don't know. Well, we'll see how this goes now that I've given them physical money to take to the bank. Yeah. I I love that you're already teaching them. I did something similar with my son where he had, and actually I had made a a social media post about it because he wanted these Spider-Man boots and he was so (laughs) stuck on these Spider-Man boots. So I was like, okay. And my wife was like, Hey, why don't you go ask your daddy for some money? And I was like, I didn't want him to have this mindset to like ask, ask for money or yeah, okay. to be, or to be an employee. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee, no. but I was like, okay, so let's think about how can we create this money? So yes. I was like, what service can we do or what product can we sell to go? So you can create Love some it. money. And then my, and then he was like thinking, and he had no idea. And then my wife was like, we have some leftover candy from Halloween. And he goes, yeah, I can sell Halloween. You know, I can sell my oh. Halloween candy. Good job. So we, we came up with a script and we practiced the script. We loaned him $5 to go buy a bigger yeah. candy, big old bag of candy from the yeah. dollar store. And I took him, we went door knocking, went door to door. And I had him, I was like, go knock on the door. Yeah, pitch, I love that. Pitch it, you know, and, and people buy it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everyone in the it. neighborhood bought it. Yeah. He made, he made about like $60. Oh, my kid's got a ditch to lemonade stand. Yeah. And so now he's addicted. He's like, daddy, can we start a new business? I need to make more money because I want to buy a guitar, a blue guitar. I want to buy some clothes. And he's the only one. Like my daughters could care less on what, like what they're dressed in on, like what they're having. They're just, they don't want the Spider-Man boots. No. Yeah. Okay. But it's, yeah. And it's, 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 it's funny, but I'm glad that he's already been instilled those same, like, yeah, I love that. Great. Like money, you can be created, you know, just come up with some type of service or product and and go out there and find some find a need and fill it you know exactly I love that here so i guess we're kind of moving on here as far as when it will be enough when's enough enough and when you're you've had a lot of success here how mm-hmm. at what point how do you know when to call it you know like okay i'm done you know or, or will you ever be done i don't think i'll ever be done um i think my focus is just going to shift and my focus is going to change over time and you know, the products I'm involved with will change. Like right now, maybe it's enough, but I haven't been able to impact the people that I want to impact. I haven't gone out and helped create 
all these other leaders. And that's, that's the phase right now. So I don't know, maybe after that, I don't know what happens after that. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get, yeah. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right. I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm always going to be doing something, whether or not it's, you know, multifamily or education or mentorship or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's something else. We don't even know what technology is going to be out in the next 10 years. Like, Uh, it's so true. The world is changing every day. And so I'm, I'm open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vina, I mean, I'd love to keep you here all night, all day, (laughs) just like how you did very sensitive of your time here. Appreciate you. Those listening, how can we get a hold of you? How can we get in touch if we're interested in investing in in your deals? What's the Mm -hmm. best way to contact or get in touch? Well, if you're interested in investing, we're open to accredited investors. You can go to vivefunds.com, V-I-V-E-F-U-N-D-S.com. And you can like sign up in our investor portal. If you want to learn about multifamily, then my Facebook group, that's where I hang out. I mean, I'm on social media. I'm on like, you know, Vina Jetty is my handle everywhere, but I'm on my Facebook group and I hang, I actually hang out there and I like answer questions. You know, we do like free zoom calls for the first hundred people that show up. And I, I do pour a lot of time and energy into my Facebook group. Yeah. And I would second that here as far as joining that that Facebook group. Cause yeah, you are very, very active and you do have lots of zoom. Sometimes the zooms go on very long. So you have opportunity if you all the time, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still jump on, but you got, so you're filled with so much knowledge and I've learned already so much just being a part of it here. And so thank you. I appreciate you. you. Yeah. I'd want to thank you here and thank you again for joining us on the show and those who's listening. Thank you for joining us on the clues of success. I hope you picked up on some of these clues and go out and apply it and do it. And so this thank is you. Yeah, signing off and saying, you got this. 